You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. Today we're launching in this series as we work our way through the book of Philippians. And I would encourage you to, over the next week to take some time to read the book of Philippians. Four chapters, it will take you all of 25 minutes. So that you will be familiar with what we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks. Because we're going to, verse by verse, we're going to work our way through uh, the book of Philippians as we talk about the, the habits of happiness. Now, the book of Philippians, if you're not familiar with it, is the happiest book in all the Bible. If you want to know, out of all 66 books in the Bible, which book is the happiest book? It's the book of Philippians. You'll find more about happiness, more about joy, more how to, about how to discover life. Matter of fact, if you are having a challenge with happiness, I encourage you, hang out in the book of Philippians. It will boost your happiness. Um, and the interesting thing about, though, this book, we call it... Uh, a prison epistle. And we call it a prison epistle because Paul actually, the Apostle Paul, wrote this letter while he was in prison. In the midst of a really bad situation, we have Paul writing about how, how we can be happy. So this letter was not written in the palace. It was not written in the Hilton. It was written from a nasty, dirty prison cell. So don't think about prison as we know it today. Think about prison as in Paul's time. It would have been dark, smelly. Most likely he's chained to the floor. He's eating nasty food every day and he's wondering, will I ever get out of this place alive? And out of that circumstance, that situation, he's writing to us about how we can discover happiness. He's writing to us about how we can discover joy. You know, I don't know if you'll remember this from your school days, but one of the foundational documents of our nation, the Declaration of Independence, was, was um, words that you were taught. Probably most of you, if you'll recall, you memorized at least this portion of the Declaration of Independence. Listen as I read just a couple lines. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. Can I get an amen on that? All men are created equal, and they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and catch this last phrase, and the pursuit of happiness. Those final words still intrigue me today. One of our unalienable rights is to pursue happiness, to seek out a life of joy and to find uh, peaceful satisfaction in life. For many, however, happiness is like a for forgotten pursuit. It, it's a dream that's died. And I, as I was reflecting, reflecting on that, I asked, well, why? Why is it a dream that's died? Why is a joyful life, an attitude of happiness, unluted so many? And within the past few years, I think I've come to the answer to that question, to the answer to the why question. I think it's because many people think happiness is a result of something that happens to them. Rather than happiness being something that we're intentionally pursuing. Rather than the habits that, that we're forming. And what I'm going to submit to you throughout this series as we look to the book of Philippians is that happiness, lasting happiness, lasting joy, lasting fulfillment comes about not as a happening, but as you develop certain habits in your life that produces the fruit that you want in your life. In other words, happiness is about 
how we're embracing and processing the very life that we live. So happiness comes as we develop the right habits. So we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about some of those habits. Because one of the things I know about everyone in the room today is we all want to be happy. Right? Let's do a quick survey. Make sure we're all on the same page. How many of you want to be happy? We all want to be happy. Listen, if you were to survey 10 people, 10 out of 10 is going to say, hey, I want to be happy. Listen, nobody's going to say, I just want a miserable, joyless life. Listen, nobody says that. Why? Because we all want to be happy, right? We all want to be fulfilled in our lives. If you're a parent or a grandparent here today and someone asks you, what do you want for your child or your children? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're probably going to say at least three things. First, you're going to say, for my child, I want them to be a follower of Jesus. I'm concerned about their spirituality. The second thing you would say is, I want them to succeed. Whatever they set out to achieve in life, whatever their career path is, I want them to be successful in that. The third thing you would say that you want for your child or children is you want them to be happy. Isn't that true? You want them to be a follower of Jesus. You want them to be successful. And the third thing that we as parents want for our children is what we want them to be happy. Everybody wants to be happy and live a fulfilled life. But oftentimes the happiness that we want eludes us. We can find ourselves waiting to be happy rather than doing this, rather than taking action to produce the happiness we want. So we want to talk about that. I want to begin this morning. Before we get to our text, let me just quickly give you three laws of happiness, three rules of happiness. The first rule is this. The first law is this. Happiness is not a goal. It's not a goal. It's not like I'm setting the goal to be happy. That's, that's, not, that's not how we want to live. Happiness is actually the result of a life lived well and a life invested well. Happiness is actually the fruit of having right purpose and right pursuit. This I, this I guarantee you this morning, if you have right purpose and right pursuit, you're going to get to happiness. But if you don't have right purpose and you don't have right pursuit, you'll, you'll never get to an, an ongoing. I'm, I'm talking about not just like happy for a minute. I'm talking about happiness defining your life. So happiness is not a goal. It's really the fruit of a life lived well. The poet Ralph Waldo Emerson said it well. He says, the purpose of life is not to be happy. It's to be useful, to be honorable, to be compassionate, to have your life make a difference uh, in that you live well and finish well. If we make happiness to go, this is what will happen. We'll get caught up in our selfish pursuits and we'll miss the very happiness that we want. So the first law of happiness is this. Happiness is not the goal. Second is this, my habits create my happiness. Or we might better say my good habits create my happiness. We're going to talk in depth about this throughout this series. But if you'll remember the opening video with Mama Hill, she discovered outrageous happiness as a result of some simple habits. That's that's what she was telling us. She said, I begin my day with God. I'm grateful. There's gratitude in my life. I'm looking for ways that I can serve others. What are those? Those are simple habits that she's established in her life that's producing the fruit of happiness that she wants. So if we want to discover more happiness in our lives, what do we need to work on? I'm going to give you the answer. 
Okay, it's habits. If we want more happiness in our lives, what do we need to work on? Our habits. So what are the habits? of Because listen, the secret to success in your life is found in your daily routines. Don't ever forget that. It's found in your daily. What are you doing on a daily basis? What are the habits in your life? Because it's our habits that create the happiness that we want. And that leads us right into the third law of happiness. And it's this. Don't look for happiness. Create it. Create it. Rather than looking for happiness in the pursuit of things, because that's what we do as Americans. We're pursuing things and we think if I can get like, if I can get the right car, I'll be happy. So we go out and buy a new car and we're really happy until we make the first payment. And then we say, what stupid thing did I do? Or we think if I can just get the right house, the right structure in the right location, then I'll really be happy. Can I tell you something? That house, that structure will not bring happiness. It's about the home that's happening in the house that brings the happiness. But again, if we're not careful, we think, well, I can I can purchase something and then I can have the happiness that I want. And I would challenge you today to this. Don't look for happiness. Create it. I was thinking of something that happened four weeks ago, and I've mentioned this before, but this, it's so vivid in my mind. About four weeks ago, I was at the Neighborhood Care Center, and two children, the first two teenagers, had earned their bike. So they had gathered the points through a process of being um, mentored by a group of men, and they were receiving their first bike. And so we, I was there just to kind of celebrate with them. And, and it was an awesome experience. Two teenagers earning a bike. They got a Bible. Their family was blessed with a meal. And all of that's really good. And all that really excited me. But as a pastor, I got to tell you, what even excited me more was the seven men that were standing behind the two teenagers. I don't know if you can say this about men, but they were like giddy. They were like... Um, They were like excited, overflowing with happiness beyond themselves because they had the opportunity to invest in two teenagers who just earned bicycles. What they created, their happiness. They created that moment through their investment in the lives of those two teens. So don't look for happiness. What do you need to do? You need to create it. The Apostle Paul gives us some insight as to how we can create happiness in a relationship. That's the first thing we want to talk about. Habits that form healthy relationships. So let's look to Philippians chapter 1. The scripture's on the screen. If you have your Bibles, you can uh, follow along as well. Beginning with verse 1, because we're going to work our way verse by verse through the book of Philippians. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. To all God's people, holy in Christ, Christ Jesus at Philippi, to gather with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all of my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. 
that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of our God. So as Paul begins this letter, he um, focuses in on relationships. How many of you know that happiness in our lives is most often connected to relationships? Would you agree with that? Happiness in our lives is most often connected to relationships. If the relationships in your life, and we all have circles of relationship, right? We have, like in my life, I have my my wife and my children, then I have extended family, then I have pastoral staff, I have elders in council, I could go on and on, I have these different circles of relationship, and, and you do as well. But this is one of the things I've come to discover, if relationships are bad at any level, if relationships are bad, how many of you know life is bad? If relationships are bad, there's not a lot of happiness to be found. But if relationships are good, if they're vibrant, if they're thriving, how many of you know they are then life-giving? What, you discover greater happiness when relationships are good than you will when relationships are bad. Let me illustrate that by talking about the marriage relationship. And again, this, this relates to any relationship. But let's say in your marriage, if you're married, in your marriage, let's say you have a major blow-up. Not, not just a little spat. But like a major blow, let's, let's say it's about money. Money always seems to create challenges. Um, let's say it's about money and that the husband in this case went out and just blew the budget. Blew the budget. Went out and bought something that didn't talk with the wife. Just went out and you know spent a lot of money. Now it's not only affected the marriage, it's affected the family. So you're having like all out World War III. Again, this is not just intense conversation. This is like really intense. How many of you know... Now, at this point, after you've had World War III between husband and wife, there's not a lot of happiness to be found at the moment. Isn't that right? It's not there. But when relationships are bad, we don't have much happiness. So again, the emphasis I want to make today is the quality of your relationship will determine the quality of your life. The quality of your relationships will determine the level of happiness in your life. We need to be building healthy If we want happiness, if that's what we want to create, then we have to have some healthy habits as to how we build healthy relationships. Because again, happiness flows out of healthy relationships. So let's look at what Paul had to say. And I want to give you, we're going to start here. We're going to talk about habits of healthy relationship. And I want to give you four this morning. These four habits can help you create healthy relationship that's then going to bring you to the happiness that you desire in your life. Here's the first, here's the first relational habit. I must be thankful for the people in my life. Be thankful. For the people in my life. Notice what Paul wrote in verse 5. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. So here's Paul in a prison cell. He's reflecting back to the people at Philippi that he pastored in this church that he planted. And he says, you know, every time I think of you, man, there's gratitude that wells up within me. I'm grateful for for who you are in my life. I'm grateful for um, the privilege that I have of, 
of connecting in relationship with you. Hey, Paul didn't remember the challenges, and I'm certain they were some. If you've ever been a part of a church before, how many know there's challenges in the church? Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you're a challenge. Tell them there's challenges in the church. Paul, Paul didn't remember the difficult people, and I'm sure they were some. Listen, in every church there's difficult people. And if you're wondering if I'm one of those, again, just ask your neighbor. They'll tell you. Paul didn't remember the points of failure, and I'm sure there were some because there's points of failure at every church and every relationship. He says, when I remember you, when I remember you, I I give thanks to God. Let me ask you this question. How long has it been since you expressed your gratitude to your mate that you're grateful that God blessed you with who you're married to? How long has it been or when was the last time that you expressed to your children how grateful you were for them? When was the last time you expressed your gratitude to your neighbor or to your best friend that God brought them into your life to help you as you're processing life? When was the last time you expressed gratitude to your peers at work? If we're going to develop healthy relationships that generate the happiness that we want, Paul says one of the first things we need to, we need to learn is we need to come to a place that we're grateful for. We must be thankful for the people in our lives. How many of you know what you focus on is what you see? Think with me for a minute. What you focus on is, is, what, is what you see. Um, Chad, will you help me out for a minute? Just come, come stand right here. This is my, my friend Chad. Chad Powell. A great man of God. But how many of you know... Um, and maybe you won't know this. Karen knows this because she's living with Chad. But I mean, you know, Chad has issues. He does. He has issues. And, and you do, too, if you're wondering. You, you, you have issues. I have issues. Chad has issues. But Chad's also an unbelievable dynamic man of God who has a heart to serve others. If you watch him in action, it's, it's a, he blesses me just as I watch him kind of engage in church life. So he has issues, but he's also a huge blessing. Get this. What I focus on is what I'm going to see in his life. I can focus on the negative or I can focus on the positive. I can focus on the negative and complain or I can focus on the positive and give thanks. Here's the second part of the principle. What I feed is what grows. What you focus on is what you're going to see. What you feed is what's going to grow. So what I feed in this relationship with Chad is what's going to grow. So if I'm feeding gratitude, if I'm expressing my gratitude to him for who he is, how he lives, how he operates, how many of you know a relationship's going to grow? And out of this healthy relationship that Chad and I have, now we're going to, we're going to both share in happiness. Why? Because I'm investing it. I'm expressing gratitude for who he is and how he lives. I'm focusing on the positive, not the negative. I'm feeding the positive, not the negative. And the end result is healthy relationship that brings us the happiness that we want. Thank you.
Isn't that true? It's true. And listen, what I just illustrated with Chad is true in every relationship. We could talk about the marriage. We could talk about your family. We could talk about your work. It's true across the board, every level of relationship. That's why as we're talking about building healthy relationships that brings us to the happiness that we want, we want to live out gratitude. We want to be thankful for it. Expressing gratitude to those that we get to process life with. Here's a great word of wisdom for you. When it comes to relationships, remember the best and forget the rest. Remember the best, forget the rest. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, hey, remember the best, forget the rest. Because there's always some other stuff, right? So what we're going to remember, we're going to remember the best... We're going to forget the rest. Here's a second way that we can discover greater happiness in our relationships, and it's this. Pray with joy for the people in your life. Speak blessings over the people in your life. Notice what Paul wrote here in verse 4. He says, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. So here's Paul in a prison cell giving thanks for his friends at Philippi, and he's praying for them. He's calling their names. Before the creator of the universe. He's calling their names. He's speaking blessing for their lives. What a great example for us. Listen, as we consistently pray for the people in our lives, what we're going to discover is that relationships change. Relationships change. As we're seeking God on their behalf, listen, we can't help but grow in concern and love for them. Prayer not only changes others, prayer changes us. Well, we want to pray. I want to pray. And that's why Jesus said these words. In Matthew 5.43, Jesus said, you've heard, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Catch this. And pray for those who persecute you. Pray for That's what Jesus said. Pray. Pray for those who are persecuted. Pray for those relationships that's gone bad. And you know, it's a whole lot easier to pray for people we like than it is to pray for people that we don't like. It's a whole lot easier to pray for people who are doing us good than to pray for people who are doing us bad. But Jesus would say, you want to see relationships transform? Pray for people. Begin to call forth God's blessings for them and watch how your heart changes toward them. Want to build healthy relationships? We want to pray. We want to pray for those in our lives that we get to do that we get to do life with you know the quickest way to change a bad relationship to a good one is to start praying for people be proactive we want to give thanks for the people in our lives we want to pray for joy for the people in our lives here's the the third directive that paul gives us toward building healthy relationships and it's this we want to expect the best for the people in our lives Expect the best. Look back to verse 6. Paul wrote, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you is going to carry that work on to completion. So Paul was making a statement here as to who people would become. He was identifying the potential in their lives and the great future that God had for them. He was simply expecting the best. Listen, doesn't it make all the difference in the world when someone believes in you? Man, it changes the relationship. It changes the atmosphere. 
When someone believes in you and they see the potential in your lives and they begin to tell you what they see in your life and what they believe you can become, what happens? All of a sudden you become more confident. All of a sudden you become more courageous. All of a sudden a relationship becomes more healthy. Why? Simply because you expected the best. You believed the best. And someone, I was, I was talking with a, a business leader oh, a few months ago, and he was telling me, he says, you know, in our workplace, we implemented this strategy, and, it's, and it totally changed the atmosphere in the workplace. I thought, wow, I'd like to know what that is. I'd, I'd like to see if I can learn something. I said, so tell me what you did. He says, well, we got the whole team together. We talked about it, and everyone in the workplace agreed to API. Well, that didn't help me much because I had no idea what API was. So I asked him another question. I said, what, what's API? He says, it's an abbreviation that stands for this. Assume positive intent. He said, what we decided, everyone in our workplace, everyone on the team, is that we were going to assume positive intent of every one of our peers. Is that we were going to believe the best in them. We were not first going to think negative. We were not going to think the worst. No, API, we were going to assume positive intent. He says that one little adjustment totally transformed our workplace. Totally transformed the relationships in the workplace. What were they doing? They were simply doing this, expecting the best. Believing the best. Starting from that place. When we believe the best and expect the best from those that we're in relationship, whether our mate family members, friends, or peers, we're going to lay the right foundation for healthy relationships resulting in greater happiness. So I challenge you in every relationship, every relationship you have, make it your goal to do this, to celebrate how far people have come rather than judging how far they have to go. What were you expecting the best? You're speaking life into the relationship. And again, healthier relationships creates what? Greater happiness. Here's the final directive that the Apostle Paul gives us as to how we can build healthy relationships that result in happiness. It's this, really simple. Love people in your life. Now, this becomes one of the challenges in church life is we talk about this love thing all the time. And then when someone like myself starts talking about love, you turn off. Like I already know about love. And we think love just happens. What, when the reality is, what I've come to discover, is love doesn't just happen. You know, oftentimes what leads to marriages going bad is couples think love's just going to happen and they quit investing. What happens oftentimes when churches go south being congregations is we forget that we have to make love happen. In other words, love requires investment. Love requires you to move toward someone. Love requires an action on your behalf. You want to build healthy relationships, then the foundation of that has to be love. Look at verse 8. Paul wrote these words, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And Paul had a sincere love for the believers at Philippi. 
And it was that sincere love that gave the foundation for the healthy relationship. And I think it's the same for us. If we're going to have healthy relationships that produce happiness in our lives, then love, sincere love is critical. Let me tell you why. When we truly love people in our lives, we're willing to serve them graciously. When there's true love, sincere love, we're willing to serve graciously. In other words, I don't have to, I get to. I don't have to serve my wife. Listen, I get to serve my wife. Big difference. I don't have to serve the staff that I'm privileged to work with. I get to serve the staff. I don't have to serve this congregation. God's granted me the high privilege of serving you as a congregation. I get to. See, where there's sincere love, we can, we can serve others graciously. When there's truly sincere love, we can also forgive others freely. In other words, we don't harbor resentment. We don't harbor unforgiveness that that leads to bitterness. We address issues right away. Why? Because there's love. And where there's love, what we can freely forgive others. When we truly love people in our lives, we also have the ability to overlook their faults. How many of you know we all have faults? We've already talked about that. You're married to someone who has faults. And if you're not married yet, let me give you some good advice right now. When you get married, you're going to marry someone that's messed up. And they're going to mess you up. And you're going to have problems. It's the reality of marriage, folks. It's the reality of life. It's the reality of relationships. That's why this love thing is so critical. We're doing life with messed up people. Just look around you. They're all around you. You're surrounded by messed up people. And we're doing life with these folks. And if we don't have love, then we get hung up on every little issue. And it wrecks relationship. And then we wonder why we're not happy. Why is love so critical? 1 Peter 4.8 says, love covers a multitude of sins. Love helps me overlook. Love helps you overlook. So if we're going to have healthy relationships that generate the happiness that we want, that creates the happiness we want, then love has to be, it has to be the foundation of our relationships. If you think about it, love is, it's slow to suspect, yet quick to trust. Love is slow to reprimand and quick to forbear. Love is slow to belittle and, and quick to appreciate. Love is slow to condemn and quick to justify. Love is slow to demand and it's, and it's quick to give. See, when we love people in our lives, we can truly build healthy relationship. And when we build healthy relationship, again, not to be redundant, but we get happiness. Happiness is the fruit of that right investment. Folks, there's no way around it. Life is all about relationships. If you're wondering... God created us as relational beings. So what life is all about relationships. As I said, as I began this morning, relationships are bad. Life's what? It's bad. Not much joy, not much happiness. Relationships are good, then life's what? It's good. But we discover greater happiness, greater fulfillment. And it flows out of what? It flows out of this habit 
of uh, investing in developing healthy relationships. You know, as I was finishing this sermon last evening, I closed the Bible and I closed my notes and I just began to reflect about life. My own life. And I, I asked myself this question. I've had 51 years on this planet. And I asked myself this question, Farrell, where have you discovered most of your happiness? As I looked to my own life, I came to this conclusion. 99% of the happiness in my life has always been connected to someone else. 99% of the happiness in my life has been connected to relationship. I could talk about my relationship with my wife. I could talk about my relationship with my children, with my parents. I, I call my parents almost every day. I could talk about my relationship with my hunting buddies and fishing buddies and crazy stuff that we do. I, I could go on and on about relationships. 99% of the happiness that I've experienced in my life, I came to this conclusion, was in relationships. That's why this is so crisp. The first habit, if we're going to experience the happiness we desire in our lives, the first habit that we have to develop is we're going to invest in healthy relationships. In the marriage, in the family, in the church, in the community. In the workplace. We're not going to chase after happiness. We're going to act as we build healthy relationships. And we're going to get happiness. It'll be the fruit that flows out of the relationship. Because again, I don't think your life is really that much different than mine. If you were to reflect, I think you would probably come to the same conclusion. Maybe your number's not 99%, maybe it's 98 But it would be pretty close. Most of the happiness that you've experienced to this point in your life has been connected to relationships. So God, help us to invest well. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you this morning for the instruction of your word, for the correction of your word, for the insight of your word. And Holy Spirit, what I know this morning is we need help everyone in the room because Lord we are, we're all navigating a lot of different relationships and Lord I, I do believe that's been true in my own life when relationships are bad life is bad there's not a lot of happiness there's not a lot of joy going on but when relationships are vibrant and thriving man it's just so good there's so much happiness there's so much joy so Holy Spirit help us Lord, this is like everyday stuff. Help us for individuals who are married in the marriage relationship. Help us in the family relationship. Help us in our neighborhood relationships. Help us in our church relationships, in our workplace relationships. May we invest well. May we take the very principles we've talked about today and put them to work. Because again, God, when relationships are good, happiness happens. The Holy Spirit, give us wisdom and insight that we might take, Lord, the very truths of your word and work them into our lives. With every head bowed and eye closed, before we would leave today, I've got to ask you this question. Possibly you're here today and you have at least one, maybe there's more than one, 
But you have at least one relationship that you know is not in a good place. It's not in a healthy place. It's not generating happiness. And you would just say, would you, would you pray with me about this relationship? So is that you today? You just say, hey, I've got a relationship that I know I know I need to do something with it. I'm not sure what I need to do, but I know I need to take action. If that's you, I, I just want to pray with you about that relationship and that God would do miraculous things in the midst of that relationship. So if that's you, would you just raise your hand really quick? I've got a relationship, maybe more than one. It's in a bad place. I know I need to act. The balcony on the main floor. Lord, I, I, I thank you for just the honesty this morning. A lot of folks, which doesn't surprise me. Because, Lord, relationships are challenging. People are dysfunctional. Pain happens. We retreat. We harbor unforgiveness. And it's difficult. So, Lord, for those who have their hands lifted, Lord, first of all, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would give them discernment and insight as to how they should approach the situation. Because, Lord, I know sometimes it's just it's really complex. Holy Spirit, grant them insight as to how they should say what they need to say. Secondly, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would give them courage. Because, Lord, sometimes, boy, these, these challenge relationships, they're difficult to deal with. Hard. So we avoid it. The Holy Spirit, I ask that you give them the courage they need to make the call. Thirdly, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would mend wounded hearts, that relationships might be restored. Lord, that out of this, out of this time today, that there would just be restoration that would bring individuals the happiness, Lord, that they desire in their lives. And Lord, again, I pray for all of us. Lord, I, I, I just believe, Lord, that happiness flows out of our habits. Help us establish those right habits that build vibrant relationships that bring us to the fullness that you have for us, Lord. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.